0: Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We're glad that you have chosen to join us for this week's sermon of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. God's Word is full of timeless truths that are relevant to our lives today. Here's this week's message. We are continuing a series of that reminds us that this Lenten season, a season that is often spent uh, uh, remembering that... Uh, Our mortal lives and that God is with us through that and that this is a time of repentance that God is still breathing life into dust, that He still is restoring life and restoring His people. And so today we look at Mark chapter 2 as we continue in this gospel, a story about um, those whose lives are not fully shaped the way we would expect them to be. But yet, God is still breathing. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him. And he taught them. And as he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting there with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous but sinners. We, uh, this is the second calling that Jesus has towards uh, disciples. Before, he had called fishermen, and it was this great illustration, this great way of recognizing that the call to those who were fishers of men, uh, to be fishers of men, were those who, who dropped everything to follow him. And there is in that story of the calling of the disciples this, this understanding, this impetus of when Jesus calls, I need to follow. And there's this Understanding that God works wherever we find ourselves, that God calls us to use that kind of work to be God's disciples, to help people see that God loves and cares for them. And so the calling of the disciples is this wonderful, wonderful story of discipleship. But yet we have another illustration, another kind of story of God's calling to the disciples. And I think that's because what we find as Jesus' ministry continues is that his disciples are quite the motley crew and i don't mean the hair band they are quite the collection of misfits and people who they go wait a minute jesus wanted you to follow and so we find in this example a prime example of someone whom no one has any reason to respect. The story of Levi. Mark calls him Levi. The other gospel writers use what was probably another name for him, Matthew, the tax collector. And so he tells this story of, of Levi who's sitting at the tax booth. Now, give you a good idea of the opinion of tax collectors, and I understand. Everybody still to this day hates taxes. So you can imagine if you actually had to hand it to someone personally instead of dropping it off in the mail or paying electronically, there would be a kind of disdain for whoever it was you were handing it to. But it was more than just that. These taxes covered the, the, the new fees and the new projects that Rome, the conquering army of their land, the conquering country of their land, wanted to do. Those taxes were paying for Rome, Rome's roads, They were paying for their soldiers who are continuing to kind of put the heel in their back, holding them down. To pay those taxes is to pay the conqueror. Imagine a year, a couple years from now, if, big hypothetical, if Russia were to take over Ukraine, if Israel were to take over Gaza. Imagine if after any of those situations... The conquering country said to whoever's left, and we have taxes for you to pay to help make sure we continue to be the victor over you. You can imagine how that is going to be received. And so that is precisely the kind of disdain that people have for the tax collectors of this time. A tax collector is not only the person who takes the food off your plate, But they're the person who represents an oppressive government and the fees to equip it. And so no one likes Levi. But yet Jesus finds Levi and says to him, follow me. And Levi does. He responds just as the other disciples with just those two words. Now, this is usually an opportunity for celebration. We love these stories of turning from bad, from turning from despised, from turning from living a different way of life to turning towards good, to turning and following Jesus. These are wonderful stories of someone who represents all that is wrong, repenting and turning to a new life. I mean, this is the stuff of evangelists stories. This is the stuff of revival lore. It is the ultimate embodiment of the hope that if we can just get to the heart of people, then it will change them on the outside. And so we hear the story of Levi, and this is excellent news. We're eager now that Levi is following Jesus. How has he changed How has his life been altered? And he's continuing to move forward. This is wonderful news. The despised tax collector is now following Jesus. Yet as Mark tells the story, Jesus goes to his house. He eats with them. And who's Levi hanging out with? More tax collectors and sinners. He didn't change. What's more, it seems like Jesus is hanging out with them. How could Mark record something like this? He's watering down the gospel. Let that sink in for a moment. Uh, uh, this, this, this This is Mark saying, wait, Jesus is still hanging out with someone who, while despised before, is now following him. But it doesn't seem like anything's changed. And so the people who see that recognize, okay, something's wrong here. Something's not quite right. And so the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with them. And they decide to call him out for that. Why would you do this? If he's following you and you're a follower of God, shouldn't his life have changed already? And Jesus says the most unusual thing. Those who are well have no need of a physician. Now this was actually a common quote, or at least a well-known quote. A physician is found among the sick. Or uh, those who are well, you know, you don't go to a doctor if you're healthy, you go to the doctor when you're sick. It's an old philosophical quote. There was, a, there was a, a philosopher, a Greek philosopher from before that predates Jesus, who was Question: When people question him about his thoughts, question him about his philosophies and what he was teaching and complaining about what he was teaching and how he was teaching, he, he's known to have said, a doctor uh, has to be with the sick. And a philosopher has to suffer fools. <laughs> and I found myself thinking, well, all right then. And G- so that, that kind of statement is, well, I don't think this is, an, when Jesus borrows that statement, I don't think it's an underhanded, backhanded comment. I think, I think it's, it's his way of just borrowing the understanding of a doctor goes where the sick are. And then, and then using that statement to say, and you know what, God does too. And that statement... Well, it seems to us makes perfect sense, having heard it for so long, but it flies in the face of conventional ideas of holiness, of ideas of what it means to be a follower of the Lord. Those who follow the Lord do so out of righteousness. If they're good enough, God will bless. If they love God, they'll follow God. So the signs of God's love and God's righteousness will be bestowed on those who are found to be faithful. Where there's fidelity, there will be signs of of God's providence. All that is found in correct beliefs and right practices. That is the understanding. So where you're going to find God is in the conventional ideas of holiness where you find faithfulness. So when Jesus uses this statement, he's starting to flip the idea of holiness on its head. Over the last few weeks, through this series and going through Mark... We've talked already about how the conventional ideas of holiness are flipped on their head from transfiguration Sunday to where God is pleased to let his glory dwell. We talked about this. To when Jesus is healing the leper and those with open wounds and finding that God's grace is pleased to go where the, uh, uh, where the sick are, where the unholy are, where the unclean are, that we, we find and we learn that God breaks the traditional images of holiness. I think if I was like a, if I was a YouTube expert, I think at this point in time I would have said, if you want to see what I said about God's holiness breaking in on Transfiguration Sunday, click here. <laughs> if you want to see how God breaks uh, the holiness and cleanliness practices when he heals the leper, click here. Um, sorry, sorry, it's got to be the cold medicine. But uh, this was, <laughs> just having a little bit too much fun here. And so, so but this is this is what Jesus has already shown himself to begin doing. And, and and what we find in this story is once again that God is breaking the traditional images of holiness and, and the traditional ideas that we have. If I'm just good enough, God will be happy with me, and if I'm not, that's why He's not. Wholeness and completeness are not prerequisites for enjoying the presence of the Lord. Indeed, conventional ideas of faithfulness and holiness do not measure up to the radical experience through Jesus. And that's this, that the holiness of God is pleased to break into our lives at the most unworthy moments and there reside with us. Holiness is not based on my status, my station. It's not based on my practices. It's entirely on the grace of God because God has loved and God has cared for me. Uh, All those practices come as a response they are never, ever prerequisites. And we find this here when Jesus is still sitting with Levi, the one who left, followed him. You would think just like disciples were left it all behind. But it seems like who he is still lingers just a little bit. He's still hanging out with those tax collectors and sinners. And so when Jesus says he's not come to call the righteous but sinners... He's using this old philosophical adage to speak about where we find God. That this statement has now been turned on its head. It's not a belittling statement, as if Jesus had to suffer these tax collectors or something like that. But he's saying this is where God is pleased to dwell. Among the misfits, among the motley, among among those who you would be surprised to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is still pleased there to dwell. The righteousness of God wants to be where we are with all of our challenges, with all of our struggles, with all of our incompleteness. This is good news for us. This is good news for anyone watching. He said, I don't know about stepping into a church or I don't know about taking the next step in faith or I don't know what God wants for me. I still have so much that seems to get in the way. And God says, it's not in the way if I'm there with you. And this is where God is pleased to dwell, where we still find ourselves in a spot of incompleteness, in a spot where it doesn't seem like we measure up. But it is also a way of looking at this, and for us as Christians to not be surprised of followers of Jesus who don't look the same as us, of people who say, wait, I believe in Jesus, but yet we look and we find we're like, wait a minute, but there's some practices that haven't changed. There's some things that are still being worked at, but yeah, that's because God is still at work. And to recognize that God's grace is there and that this is good and this is okay, and to be surprised where God is pleased to work. Levi is found among them the tax collectors and the sinners and we start to realize the holiness of God is all about his inbreaking power of grace into a world and so that as we reflect the holiness of God we will find ourselves saying i want to reflect his grace wherever i am wherever i go without judgment and to believe boldly that that grace is even for me. And all that I have messed up and all that I have fallen short before, God has said, no, I still want to be there with you. It is for you as well. And so the call echoes out to us, follow me. It is an invitation and it is a hope and is a daring look for all of us to look upon one another With the simple eyes of grace. Yes, I think even God cares and loves and is found there as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you this morning just asking to see you at work where we are today. Heavenly Father, where there has been sin, where there has been unfaithfulness, where there has been a, uh, uh, just a, a question of whether or not to take that next step of faith. Heavenly Father, help us see that you have been there all along the way to say, I'm here to help you take that step. I'm here to help you find victory. My grace has never left. And Heavenly Father, where we have found ourselves wondering, Okay, God, what are you doing when we see hints and glimpses of your love and your grace in areas that shock and surprise us? Lord, help us to see that you are the God whose work is steadfast, whose work is always breaking in to do something new in this world. And Lord, let us not get in the way, but be used of you however you would, that more may come and see your love and your grace. Thank you again for this passage of scripture, Lord, and help us to see where in our life we still hear those words whispering into our soul, follow me, and help us to be obedient to that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today.